Hey, starving arters, starving art buddies, starving art and ears, starving artists. This is Starving Artist Phoenix with Tony Machete. Um, my guest this week, man, I, I forgot why I had started recording for a second. I <laughs> don't remember what I was supposed to be doing right now. I'm introducing my guest for this week. Uh, which is Claire Thompson Roy. Claire is a fantastic performer and writer and poet, uh, fresh to our little big city from the golden shores of LA. That's Los Angeles for those not in the business. Uh, <laughs> Claire uh, was somebody who auditioned for uh, Laughing Pig Theater. Uh, fairly recently but like when we were doing our general auditions a couple months back uh, and we ended up casting her in two different things our monologue cafe it's kind of our shorter form thing and uh, in reasons to be pretty uh, which I closed recently and she's just a joy <laughs> to have and to be around uh, I I really enjoyed getting to know Claire through that whole audition process I mean she wowed us immediately she's clearly a very talented person but also just a really fun person to talk to so I'm glad she was able to find time in a very busy schedule <laughs> that she's dealing with right now uh, to, to talk to me a little bit outside of Urban Beans where she actually happens to work <laughs> as of this recording so if you're an Urban Beans visitor on the frequent side uh, go check her out she normally works late, late at night if uh, you're one of the people who takes advantage of the 24-7 aspect of that place you'll probably see her behind the counter um, yeah, I, I'm just really grateful to, to know her and uh, talk with her about her life up to now. She had a lot of interesting stuff to talk about on and off mic, and I really think that you'll enjoy speaking with her too. Um, boy, anything else of note going on in our lives in general? Probably not. Most people say that flippantly uh, because obviously there's massive things going on in the country right now and in the world in general and most of them are bad. But uh, let's just get down to brass tacks here. No one has anything going on in their own lives, right? We're all just getting by day to day. Maybe we're making some art, maybe we're not. Maybe we're talking about how much we'd rather be making art than what we're doing. But you know, it's just it's just the grind. We're all on that, that grind, that hustle, that flow. So, keep the flow going. <laughs> That's my, I guess, advice to you. I didn't know this was going to be from uh, just advice. I didn't really know what I was doing when I started talking, as we've already mentioned before. All I can say for sure is that you're really going to enjoy my talk with Claire. Uh, I know I sure did. And just want to take a second to, you know, while we're jumping into this, to just say thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast. Um, I've been doing this for about two years almost now. Um, just shy of a couple months. And thank you, Pilot, for flying by now. I'm sure you're an avid listener. And I hope that you don't crash. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so mad at them for flying by over my recording. Um, but no, I, I just uh, appreciate the support that I've gotten as, as I've gotten through this. Stuff I've just been reflecting on a little bit recently. And uh, I, I just. I'm always thrilled to know that people are willing to give a little vanity project like this a little bit of their time, and I hope that people have gained something from it. Um, 
In the meantime, while you're ruminating on that and ruminating on your own choices in your life, uh, why don't you kick back and enjoy this conversation with Claire, right? Welcome to Starving Artist Phoenix. I'm Tony Machete and I've got Claire Roy. How are you doing, Claire? I'm good. How are you? Great. Take a bite. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I've been meaning to talk to you for so long because uh, you were just recently ended the run of the show that I directed for Laughing Pig, Reasons Be Pretty. Um, but it's just hard, hard uh, with all the rehearsal schedule and everything, it's just so hard to find extra time outside of that right. to spend time with the same people. It's weird. Um, <laughs> Although we did it. We did, but then it was like a group thing. That's so I was true. just like, we're just going to step to the side over here and just talk on, <laughs> on tape for a half hour. Right. Um, so I'm glad you, you made time for it because I feel like just from the bits and pieces you've told me from like how you ended up here, like it's very interesting and I'm, I'm very curious kind of like what your perspective is on theater in a, a place like this just because you had such different experiences from a lot of people I talked to. Right. And a lot of the show is just like specifically like Phoenix Valley type theater situation and what it is and you know it's good to know what the outside perspective is. So let's go back in time a little bit then first and say okay. like um, how did you first get into performing arts? Um, I was literally baby Jesus. <laughs> like <laughs> literally like as a baby I was baby Jesus so I guess you could count that. Oh, was like, that SAG AFTRA? Or... Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was SAG AFTRA. Um, got my union card from it. <laughs> um, it's lame because I'm not religious, but the um, children's theater, like there was a ch theater group mm -hmm. within my church. And it was like, we like put on really dope shows every like holiday and then we'd have ones that weren't for holidays. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even really do community theater. Were they were they secular shows outside of the holiday? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they were not. Never. <laughs> um, I always wanted to be an Annie, but my parents wouldn't let me audition for it. <laughs> um, then I that was in Las Vegas, by the way. Okay. I was a kid. Moved to Memphis. Um, did not have super proactive stage mom that was like, go and do everything. So I did not do that much theater. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I did a few plays that were mainly holiday plays. Was it something on your mind? Like, did you did you see it as, like, this is a thing I want to do more of? Yeah. Like, how do I do that? Yes, literally, um... My parents tell me since I was like five, I was always like, I'm going to be an actor. And it wasn't like, I would, they, my, my mom says I said it so stoically, like I would be very still and I'd stare at her and I'd be like, I'm going to be an actor. All the lights in the house off, just one lamp swinging above you. Type of yeah, exactly. And um, uh, then I did the whole like audition tour thing in college and I was like, I've never, I don't have anything else I'm good at or want to do, so, um, let's try this. Did you have opportunities in high school? Um, well, that's my phone, I'm going to put it on mute. It's Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> 
side note, Spencer's in the other room. Yeah. You, do we need something? Do we need to take a pause? Um, what was I saying? High school. Oh, yeah, so that's when my, like, I didn't have a very proactive parent um, that got me involved in a lot of shows. So I didn't do that much, but I still knew I wanted to do acting and theater. And then I went to this school called Evangelical Christian School, and I was in their production. And mid-production, I think I was like 16 going on to 17, um... <laughs> It, like, it was a miserable school, because I was, like, very bluntly not religious, and, like, just miserable. Like, people, would, it was one of those schools that you go to it since you're, like, in preschool until you graduate, so it was terrible. And, <laughs> essentially, I was like, we're going to move to my mom. <laughs> Again, just, like, stoically, just... Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, everything you say is a declaration. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yes, everything. Um, so my parents were divorced at the time, and so I said to my mom, I was like, we're going to move, <laughs> and we're going to move to um, this city that you spent your summers at because her dad, my grandfather, was a painter. So she was just like, okay. <laughs> she just said, okay, um, because she didn't really like Memphis either and it was just like the best move <laughs> to make so I went up there first and then when I was there <laughs> I found a retirement community <laughs> okay side note the town was 2,000 people so there was no there was no it, there was artistic outlets, but no, like, theatrical outlets. So I auditioned for a show at this, like, place, and I go, it's a farce, and I go, and it's, like, the youngest person aside myself was... 68, 69. <laughs> and they were, like, young compared to the other people. But I was, like, no, I, like... I have to do something like and they ended up being the greatest like most fun group of people <laughs> I think I've worked with until you guys you don't have to lie about it That's no okay. I'm not lying like these people were so funny like um there was this one lady named Mary and she was like a lesbian that came out when she was older and oh, we were right. in production of the first show that we were in together and she got like a rainbow butterfly tattoo <laughs> just really finding herself now that she's yeah <laughs> like she was completely finding herself and like oh they're just all they were just really cool people nice and the person who ran it, um, her name was Elise, and she became my fencing master because she's a really cool background and went to university in France, and they created a degree for her because wow. she studied mime, which is like a big deal in France. Sure. It's not like <laughs> clown school or something. Right, right, it's right. basically like Commedia dell'arte. Um, but they created a like fencing stage fencing degree for her so after the show we started just stage fencing together for a few months until I graduated and her husband was a poet is a poet from Brooklyn and they kind of became like my art artistic mentors and um, 
my last play that I did there, um, Elise took me aside and was like, if you don't pursue this, you're gonna like hate yourself later in life. And she's like, she the like the biggest thing I took away from her was um, the like success of yourself as an artist is based off of what you do and not if it's like paying your bills. It's what you're creating and what you're doing. And um, so my dad was um, nice enough and helpful enough to send me to New York and LA to audition. And um, I took the school with the most scholarship because, you know, <laughs> I just like thought it was the smartest idea. I'm not gonna name the school. <laughs> um, it was a good school. It was a school that um, the teachers were all, for the most part, really great. Um, but it was also a very money-based school. So there was a lot of people who were not necessarily the most artistic beings. Money bases and they accept anybody in order to get tuition or money bases and they just taught you commercial things? Um, both. Okay. <laughs> I burped. <laughs> but both. Um, they don't accept everyone. They, I, I think they have like a 35% acceptance rate, but they also don't have a cutting system. Mm. Um, they used to, and then they like got rid of it. And essentially, if you show up to the courses, you will pass the courses. Um, and that that was frustrating because I would it, I went through a time period where I would felt like if this person who doesn't care and isn't trying to hone their craft got in, what does it say about me? And then on the other hand, outside of the like, acting classes that I took from the professors it was a commercial based school and they like taught you that you are a brand and that you are to be branded and that every action you make has to do with your company and your company is you as a person and as an actor and it just rubbed me the wrong way um, <clears throat> so I didn't do well in that aspect of it like I didn't agree with a lot of the things and um, but I did work really hard and it showed through um, all the, the teachers that mattered to me respected me um, I remember I did a, a, my advanced Shakespeare class my teacher his name was Mark Barrow and he's from England and worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company and that semester I was doing um, A Midsummer's Night Dream and I was Puck and I was also doing the Hamlet speech at the same time like in class I was doing the Hamlet speech and memorizing Puck at the same time and um, I was like fucking up the Hamlet speech in class and like I have never broken down in class but I like broke down in class because I respected this teacher so much and I respect Shakespeare so much and um, he like blew up on me and this was at the beginning of the semester and by the end of the semester, <clears throat> I did um, the Hotspur and Lady scene, and um, I fucking love that scene where he's talking to his wife. Yeah, so good. Scene, it's one of my favorite scenes in Shakespeare. Yeah. The essentially, if you don't know it, 
uh, husband's about to go off to war and is trying to hide it from his wife and his wife is like I know what the fuck is going on like and it gets and he, it, gets, it humanizes him in a way that like so many Shakespeare like Richard III never gets that level of like yeah. warmth ever added to him or anything but like exactly <laughs> it sh- it, like um, it shows this like layer of like what happens when they leave and like she knew if he left he wasn't coming back so they have this huge like fight and he essentially is like calls her really mean names like you're like a fucking bitch you're a whore like all these things more but more poetically and she's like well tell me the truth or I'm gonna like cut off your balls and you have a little dick so fuck you (laughs) um it's a really good scene though (laughs) and um he Anthony said um that that's how Shakespeare is supposed to be done and that he would hire me if he was still uh, working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) And I am going from like that moment of like I'm never going to be able to do Shakespeare, I can't even do the most famous speech to like having that was like really the highlight of my entire college career. I also learned that I have a love for directing that I didn't realize I had before because I never had the opportunity. Where do you think that comes from? Maybe I'm bossy, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. Um, I just... There's something about... um, Like, visually being able to explain a scene like when you're an actor you're thinking about emotion when you're a director you're thinking about image and I shifted my like thought process of what a play is from character based to a moving picture Um, I also like discovered that I have this love for like the subtleties like things that people don't know are affecting them like using psychology and color in your costuming and um, things such as that. I also like to see the progression of an actor from the beginning to the end um, and finding ways that work well to help them like be comfortable and come out and like discover more about the character. And it's less stressful for me or maybe I enjoy the stress of the director more than I enjoy the stress of the actor. Do you, this is, again, just like turning shit out and uh, making assumptions and stuff, but do you feel like it's anything that has to do with like being in that position where you don't really have to do the, the work, boots on the ground work itself afterwards? Like being able to sit with an actor and do that kind of table work of like, this is what you could do. These are some ideas. These are some images and stuff like that. And I guess having the freedom to not have to show your work afterwards, not have to prove it. Is that kind of liberating thing? No, actually I feel like the opposite. I feel like the responsibility of everything is on my shoulders. So the actors are going to give me what they they want in the end. That's just I'm an actor, so I know. Like I have listened to so many directors and I'm like, "All right. Okay. I'm going to do what I like I will take your note, but I'm going to do it in my form." So at the end of the day, it's like everything is on on my shoulders. The the set, what the actors do, um, 
if the lighting gets fucked up, even though like everyone has their own job and has their own responsibilities, at the end of the day when the review's written, the director's a person who casts. The director's a person who decided who's going to do the lighting and sound and chooses a lot of the lighting and sound and a lot of the set design. So I feel like I like the idea that I and I am in charge of the entire thing working well, making sure it's a well-oiled machine. So uh, as you went through that school, I know you said you kind of have a tumultuous relationship with it. Um, once you were finished with the program, there, or did you uh, did you like graduate from it or did you leave it earlier? Oh yeah, yes, okay. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the next step for you? Um, well, we have this thing that's like a showcase and you basically do two scenes for um, agents. <laughs> agents and uh, managers and things like that who will basically buy you. I'm, I'm being petty, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this is why I'm in Phoenix. <laughs> but, um, so I did that and as I was walking out of it, which there were like rules it was like you can't talk to any of the people there you just like go back to your dorms or your apartment or whatever I was walking and I was like smoking a cigarette walking down the street and this like frantic lady like runs towards me and um she's like excuse me are you Claire and I was like yeah <laughs> like really like at this point over the school just like I didn't even do like the last show with them because I was just like I was done <laughs> and she was like hi I'm Tammy Jackson um I was just in the um the like thing the show and I and then I like threw my cigarette on the ground and like <laughs> because that's our school our school is right, like right. no smoking blah 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 oh, Tammy smokes a shit ton of cigarettes I find out later <laughs> she's really dope um and uh she's like I want to represent you but I'm I'm going out of town I won't be back for like a month I need you to email me so that I don't forget that I want to represent you <laughs> and I'm like okay <laughs> sure like that's great and like she gave me her card and I'm like keeping quiet and like everyone's like talking about how they haven't heard back from anyone and I was like oh this lady like gave me her card outside of the thing and then like it was really bad that was a really bad decision to like say that because people were like oh blah 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 you suck <laughs> um so then I got a couple other offers um I joined an agency, which I will not name, <laughs> and um, they were okay. They have lots of clients, lots of clients, and then um, Tammy came back. We sat down. We had a meeting. Um, she... So this was in the course of a month, or was this later? This was, like, after the month. Okay. Well, I guess by, like, a month and a half after I graduated, I had both an agent and a manager. Which was a lot. I was like, this is great. This, this is exactly what I was thinking was going to... I was like, this is it. Like, I am doing it right. Like, <laughs> um, and Tammy was awesome. She used to um, represent James Franco when he did um, Freaks and Geeks. She got him that gig and stuff. And she has a pretty good rep. And so I was all about it. She had, like, 20 um, other clients, which is a really low amount. 
um, my agency had like 300 I think or something like crazy um, she was a children's manager though because I look like a teenager so it didn't matter um, and she was really supportive of the idea that I'm an artist first and that's how I make my money and that I don't need to change myself or tailor myself which is what I always said and like literally why I chose her was she was like the people and the the environment of that school that you went to is bullshit and most of the people aren't successful because they have that mindset and I was like awesome <laughs> great this is great and working with her was great the entire time um, my agency however wanted me to change a lot they wanted me to either like I have tattoos and they either wanted me to get like a ton of tattoos and like chop my hair off and like look more edgy or to like get tattoo removal so that I could be cast by Disney and like they were trying to change all these like physicalities about me and they would be sending me on auditions that made no sense for me and um the last project I did was a pilot that was gonna be that was being shot and um there was like a lot of drama that happened and some stuff happened with the director and the the main person like pulled from it and they can't do the show without that main person and I was really disturbed by what happened with the director and I was kind of like tainted by the experience. So I dropped my agency and because I told them from the beginning that I didn't think it was a good project for me and I was right. Um, and then two months after that, Tammy, my manager, had a crazy like family thing happen and she quit. <laughs> she dropped all of her clients and moved to Texas. So I was like, well. Hello? <laughs> Well, um, now what? <laughs> and I was really just like disappointed with the experience, not just the film industry and the pressure of being a woman in the film industry, but also the theater experience in LA was incredibly toxic. Like the projects that I would get, you know, for myself, just like little things here and there. It was always very toxic. It was always very clicky, always backhanded, like... I, I cannot stand when people are kind to people in their face and mean behind their back. And that's L.A. Like, L.A. is full of people who are too good for their hometown. So, <laughs> they're just, like, you know, resentful that or something. But it was very toxic. And um, my dad's out here in Phoenix. My sister's out here in Phoenix. Um, my dad's sick. And I... You know, I did not want to be the person who decided that my acting career and like building it was so important that it couldn't be put on hold for my family. So I decided to move out here. I'd previously, back up like a couple months before I moved out here, auditioned for the Southwest Shakespeare Company. And they were like super excited and then they were like, wait, you're from LA though. And I was like, no, I'll relocate for you. And like, there's like this thing, like, miscommunication basically that was like, we can't cast you because you're from LA. But I couldn't like in my audition be like, oh, my dad's dying. Like, <laughs> I'm moving here. Like, don't worry. Like, um, 
so then I was like, I visited my dad. He had had um, something happen. And I told him, I was like, I'm moving out here. And at first he got like really angry. Because <laughs> you were leaving it behind. <laughs> no, he was like, you're making my sickness about you. And it always has to be about you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you, this is valid. I'm going to let you feel these things. I'm still moving out here. Um, so I did it. I got a job. I got, what? Well, a company hired me over the phone, which was really sketchy. <laughs> and I was like, this is sketchy, but I'm just going to take it and find something else. So I, I found something else. And then once I was settled, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going crazy without doing theater. I'm going to find something. So you didn't come out here with the intention of continuing it in any way? No, I knew it was always going to be a part of my life. Okay. I just knew I probably wouldn't be making money off of it anymore, or at least not for a while, or as much. Um... So I was like, um, I need to find something. And at the time I worked at another yoga studio, um, and this like really kooky lady came in. <laughs> like she was super kooky, but she told me about, um, Durant casting and she sent me the link so I could sign up for the mailing list. And then I came in, I auditioned for, um, your play <laughs> for, no, for, um, walls for really? monologue cafe. Yeah. I was gonna say that was the first yeah. yeah. And then I got a call. I thought that was a bird. <laughs> Sorry. It's slowly deflating behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, because um, yeah, that was, uh, I feel like that was one of the things you said was like, you knew that this was kind of like a stepping stone thing because it was like a lower commitment and it was all that shit. Right, right yeah. exactly. I was like, this This seems like, you know, something I can do. Like, yeah. it. Um, it's not going to be something that makes me have to like quit my job or like travel or do anything. And, um, and then I went to the callback and the callback was for both the well it was for reasons to be pretty yeah. by Neil LeBue <laughs> I'm sorry I just don't want you to get sued or something <laughs> famously um, litigious <laughs> um, and I was like okay <laughs> not, I'm not a huge disclaimer not a huge fan of Neil LeBue um, but I was like okay you know, you got to do a LaVue play at least once in your career. Um, and the audition process was the most fun audition process I had ever had. Um, I was like, I really hope they cast me. They probably won't, but, like, I really hope they do. <laughs> that's, like, my general after an audition. I'm, like, I'm that type of person that's, like, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> like, that's my theory. It's, like, if you say I'm not going to get it, you don't get it. You're not disappointed because you're like, oh, well, fuck, I knew it. <laughs> but then if you do get it, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> um, so I got it. <laughs> Shout out to Ada for leading the callbacks, by the way. I can't take credit for that. That was not my idea. So I'm glad you had fun. Wait, what? Oh, Ada. Oh, yeah, the other person led the, the callbacks. I had oh, nothing yeah, to do with that, I so forgot. I can't take credit. Yeah. yeah, well, they were really fun. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so, I mean, going into that, I mean, yes. I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, and Do obviously it. I know a little bit, but, like, so, I mean, you you said, like, part of the, the purpose of doing, like, the monologue cafe was that it was low impact, didn't have to travel, that type of shit. So, right. I mean, when you realized that the callback was for some more traditional theater and stuff, I mean, were you hesitant to, to step into something like that, or? Um... No, because I'm a firm believer that the, like, universe won't give you anything that you can't handle. So, I was a little excited, actually, because it had been a long time since I actually did a play. Um, but no, I wasn't at all like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. 
Yeah. It was a little far. That was the only thing I was concerned for. was like, <laughs> I'm really fucking poor. How am I going to pay for gas? But luckily it wasn't too bad because I have good gas mileage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, you said that uh, you hadn't done a lot of theater um, up to that point just because I'm, I'm assuming that just wasn't what was paying, that wasn't what was hiring um, before then. So like, I think we've talked a lot, like a little bit about this personally, but I mean, what... what what do you respond more to, like, as opposed to, like, film versus theater? Like, do you feel like you you have a... You fit better in one of those media? Or do you, do you like to try and balance both equally? What do Um, theater. Like, 100%. Yeah. I don't hate film. I don't hate film at all. I have fun when I do film. I just... Ugh. <laughs> I don't think it's it's hard work. Um, my, I think that if you have a good cinematographer and a good director, the movie's gonna be good because acting on film is only hard when you're like, you think that you have to like act. You literally, if you just stand, like so many people give the same advice. If you stand where you're supposed to stand and say the words you're supposed to say, it's gonna look good. Because movies are all about the lighting and the angles and, and the editing as well. Um, Somebody said to me once that I think makes sense. is like, movies are for directors, the stage is for actors, TV is for writers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, who is it? Sir Ian McKellen, when he was interviewed. Not by me. Not, not by you, unfortunately. <laughs> that will be happening soon. <laughs> as soon as he moves. Yeah. Um... He was being interviewed for one of the Lord of the Rings movies, maybe The Hobbit, one of the newer ones that had more CGI. And, like, he almost started, like, crying. And he... They were like, how was it? Like, did you have fun? And he said that it was one of the most lonely experiences of his entire life. And I that, like, resonated with me so deeply. It's funny because he also does that, um, that scene from the Ricky Gervais show, Extras. That he oh, did. Have yeah. you seen that? It's kind of viral now, mm-hmm. where he make, makes fun of shit like that almost. Yeah. But wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's harrowing. Yeah, he went through like a pretty serious like sadness, and it's true. Like theater or um, film, it's you're not always not working with a partner, but it's more just about getting the shot. And theater is this like one. It's even film is collaborative. It, you can't. It needs so many more parts than a play necessarily. But the theater is a process, and the process is what I like more than the process of movies. Because the process for movies is learn your lines and say them. Maybe have some intent behind it. <laughs> but with theater. You don't get a second chance. There's like no second chance. You work for months and months. Usually a couple months. <laughs> months and months and period. And okay. period. <laughs> like I think the longest like process I've had was maybe four months, and that was just because it was oh. multiple plays. Oh. Um, but you work for a few months for this show, and you once you're doing it every time without doubt you're behind the curtain at least I am and you're like nope it's gonna be like (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know, like, you're just like, everyone, maybe the only people who aren't freaking out are the light, like, the lighting board, maybe. <laughs> They're like, please be where you're supposed to be standing. Yeah. But, like, I think as an actor and even as, like, a director, especially, like, the very first night, you're like, this is not going to work. <laughs> This is too much of my life gone. It's all gone. Yeah, you're like, well, yeah. as as a director, when I see something go up, I'm like, well, it's not in my hands anymore. There's nothing. There's literally nothing I can do now. And then as an actor, I'm like, I'm gonna fuck everything up right now. I don't remember any of my lines or what this play is about. <laughs> I'm constantly, I'm like, what is my moment before? <laughs> um, but then. It works beautifully, and it all comes together like, like magic somehow. Do you consider yourself kind of like a technique-oriented person? Are you thinking of like all those kind of buzzwords that what is my moving before? What are the given circumstances of the scene? Blah blah blah. Yeah. I think it depends. I'm definitely not. I don't know about you, but when I was in theater school, they gave me this like book of like. It was like four, five, maybe eight pages of like all these questions. Like, what is your character's favorite color? What did they have for breakfast? I think a lot of that stuff is honestly irrelevant. Um, I base a lot of what I do, depending on the character, on what they want always, no matter what character it is, and how they go about it. So I'm a really big believer in tactics, so I'll like, like mark my script, like what am I trying to do to this person by saying this? Because that's something I believe that we do as humans. I don't think we necessarily are like pre-thinking about like what we're doing. We're just doing it in the moment. So when I say a line, I'll have that tactic in the back of my head. Like when you're flirting with someone and you like make a joke, you're not just trying to make them laugh. You want them to think you're charming. So you're trying to charm them. <laughs> want them to laugh yeah. with their genitals. Uh, okay, so I want to bounce back to something, one last thing okay. um, that you mentioned before because I'm curious. You framed coming here as putting your acting career on hold. So from where you're standing right now in your life, where do you see the future of your, your arts? <laughs> your artistic career. Well, fuck. <laughs> That's like, it's hard to say because I think it's so fluid and like you have to follow whatever, you know, path is opening up for you. Something that I learned moving out here. When I moved out here, I, it was temporary and now it's become non-temporary. Like I am happier here. I am more mentally stable here. Um, I'm actually doing more things artistically here than I was in LA just because it's easier a little bit to live here and people are more open here, not so jaded. Um, Shakespeare is a big part of my life. Um, so one of my like realistic dream goals is to just do like a shit ton of Shakespeare <laughs> um, festivals and things like that which is totally I guess you could say unrealistic for like financial stability but it goes back to what my mentor told me that like your success as an artist isn't based on how much money you're bringing in it has to do with what you're creating that's a, that's a constantly tested ideology though yeah I know and um, I've I have had this argument it was like in high school probably though with my father 
about like well what makes an artist a professional artist and he's and this is a really like exactly <laughs> as an artist he's not he's creative in his own ways but he's not a working artist and he's not an artist so he says like his his idea is like okay um if someone writes a poem and it's not published are they a professional artist so I say, well, think about poets who um, we learn about in school who we didn't discover their poems until after they were dead. Are they professional poets? Yes. So it's really, that's like the battle I have with myself and that's why I constantly remind myself is like, it is not the money that you're bringing in. It is the satisfaction you have in what you're creating because that's what makes it... <laughs> That's a nice spot to kind of wrap up the last couple of questions I like to ask. First off, um, any other artists, I mean, I generally say in Phoenix area, but I know that um, you have more background outside of it. Just anyone in town you, or, or anywhere you want to just give a shout out to, any recognition? Um, my boyfriend, Spencer Allen, is a musician. He plays at Just Blaze um, Smoke Shop on the third Friday of every month. Nice. You can also catch him on first Fridays at various different places. He's about to come out with a, what's it called? Not an album, but a mini yeah, one. Or mixtape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say mixtape. No. <laughs> he's, um, he's about to come out with an EP. Um, his Instagram is Alka Spencer. Like Alka Seltzer. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, any personal plugs or anything you want to get out there? I mean, this is probably going to come up in about two weeks. Okay. Um, I have a blog that should be up by December. So look for it. It's um, Starving Little Artist. <laughs> no. Cross-branding. Yeah, we're not, we're not cross-branding on purpose. Um, my Instagram is also at Starving Little Artist. I post a lot of um, visual and spoken or I guess written word things on there as well as photos of my cat so it's it's a fun one to look at <laughs> but um, I'll probably be in a show at some point again with Tony so um, cool any like single piece of advice you want to give somebody who is going to be following your path in life is it lame to give the same advice I've been giving like the whole time uh, no, okay. if that's what you think is the most succinct thing you'd want to give. Okay, then yeah. Um, as an artist, just remember that your success is not measured by the societal idea that you need money, but your success is measured in your satisfaction in what you're creating. Love that. Your success is measured in the satisfaction of what you're creating. All right, Claire, thank you so much. Special thanks to Nick Machete for writing our theme music and Taylor Machete for all of her support. If you are enjoying the podcast so far, don't forget to follow us and leave nice ratings on Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Pinecast.co. And if you or someone you know is pursuing something artistic in the Phoenix area and you'd like to be on the podcast, write to me at starvingartistsphx at gmail.com.